1: Thank you.
2: Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Here's what's making news today on Squawk Pod. One year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine killed and displaced many, and rocked the global economy and America's role in international conflict.
3: Did you see we're quadrupling the number of troops?
4: We have 30 there now.
2: Regulators at the Department of Justice planning to block a major tech acquisition.
4: All the antitrust units have been colluding for, I mean, colluding. Colluding. They would take cooperating <laughs> forever
2: and a special squawk pod reporter's notebook our Frank Holland on a Wall Street program investing in black futures.
1: Three people that it's pretty hard to get in the room with these three gentlemen, unless you're talking about some very big numbers, these HBCU students are getting the opportunity.
2: Plus the unfolding of a startup that may have failed to launch. Aussie media's Carlos Watson arrested.
0: It was kind of an emperor has no clothes thing.
2: Semaphore's Ben Smith first broke this story of fraud.
0: That they were able to get this far essentially by having a series of very high profile people Kind of vouch for them in a way that the next, you know, the next sucker looked and said, "Look at this group of people."
2: Next group of suckers, us. Carlos Watson did try to clear the air on Squawk Box.
0: I think he thought if he
3: could like pass a litmus test on, on this set, it'd be, but it did not go well.
4: It did not all. go well. Do you remember that?
2: All that today. It is Friday, February 24th. Squawk Pod begins right now.
4: Stand and her by in three, two, one. Cue Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. We're live at the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky is off today
0: and it has been a heck of a week. The 9,269th meeting of the Security Council is called to order. I now give the floor to His Excellency, Mr. Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State of the United States of
1: America. Mr. President, Mr. Secretary General, fellow council members. One year and one week ago, on February 17th, 2022, I warned this council that Russia was planning to invade Ukraine.
3: Today marks the first anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And after a year of war, there are no signs that the conflict will end anytime soon. The U.S. is getting ready for another $2 billion uh, in military aid. And now China is calling for a ceasefire and the opening of peace talks, the 12 point proposal that President Xi has uh, to end the war. And President Xi is expected to visit Moscow uh, for a summit with Russia's uh, President Putin. We'll also talk more about this growing relationship between Russia and China. And the lead story, Andrew, if you read between the lines uh, in the Wall Street Journal, US set to boost its troop presence in Taiwan. I read that and that would be, that's concerning, Right, we, you know, we get concerned about our troops when they're anywhere, and, it, it, and with what's going on, it seems like sort of a, I don't know, sort of an escalation, could cause some tension. Did you see, we're, we're quadrupling the number of troops, but did you read, read what Small it base. is? base. We have 30 there now, so quadrupling it is like to 100. They're training people. They're there as in an advisory capacity. It is a quadrupling, but it's not like we've got, like what we have in Germany or or somewhere else. So I I don't know how concerned to be, but it probably sends a a a message at this point. And and in watching what happens between China and Russia, it all informs us on what to think about what happens in Taiwan eventually. Which, you know, for a lot of reasons, Taiwan might even be uh, for us more strategically important than. Ukraine or what Russia is doing, except for energy issues and the like.
4: Meantime, uh, separately, the Department of Justice now accusing Google of destroying evidence. This is according to some new reports. The DOJ says the search giant failed to timely suspend a practice of routinely deleting internal messages and chat history as the company required under federal law to preserve those documents for an antitrust lawsuit. This particular case is focused on the DOJ's a suit filed back in 2020 accusing Google of unlawfully maintaining monopolies around search and search-related advertising. So uh, another allegation, and by the way, it brought me back to the moment of covering Frank Quattrone probably 15, 17 years ago, one of the uh, one of the great Silicon Valley bankers of our time. He's around. Who is, who's, by the way, still around and doing quite well. Yeah. But what I was going to say is, you know, he had been accused, and in fact, at one point, Convicted and then it was overturned um, of uh, destroying an email. And, and that unto itself, uh, unto itself was considered uh, obstruction at, at the time. Like to play, um, likes to play golf? Great golfer. Great AT&T. golfer. Yeah. Pebble, yep. yep. um, I think he must live out. Yep. He does. Yep. Uh, the Justice Department reportedly is planning to block Adobe's $20 billion deal to buy uh, app and website designer Figma. This, according to Bloomberg case could come as soon as next month the deal was announced back in september so that's going to be something uh, to watch the figma transaction one of the sort of more remarkable from a price perspective is just such a it's just a great entrepreneurial story of a of a company that that came out of nowhere um, and really changed the creative class and then of course adobe uh seeking to acquire it now of course uh, there appears to be an effort to prevent that from happening so Washington getting quite aggressive again the real question is you go to court you'll find out in court whether whether this approach to antitrust is going to be the right one yeah interesting piece in the uh, op-ed the FTC
3: is involved with collusion it says with European authority I hope we don't go the European
4: uh, route for route whatever for antitrust. Uh, let's go talk about our friend- uh, Oh, you mean the way that, that we are, we collo- yes. Y- Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, but there are all these, all the antitrust uh, uh, units have mm. been colluding for, I mean colluding. Uh, colluding. Co- they would say cooperating <laughs> forever. Yeah, that's what the airlines say about ticket prices. Yeah, no, 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 but this is, this is the regulatory agencies we're talking <laughs> about. I know, yeah. I know, but the colluding,
3: okay, you can pick your word. Warner Brothers Discovery, reporting a wider than expected loss and a slight shortfall in revenue. Citing a soft ad market, the company uh, lost less than expected in its direct-to-consumer division as it works to bring streaming uh, content costs under control. HBO, HBO Max, and Discovery Plus added, though, 1.1 million subscribers in the fourth quarter to end 2022 uh, with 96.1 million worldwide. And I'm I'm smiling because David Zaslav is our friend and our work colleague and comes on a lot. Did did you happen to look at at drugs today or any of the deadline pieces
4: i saw a, a bunch of pieces but i did not see mr lots Rudge's, more republicans what is,
3: what is mr oh the lots the, more republicans yes. coming to cnn which would be when one gets there that would be the first i think uh, so you could break the ice as the first uh, actual republican at that place but uh hey you know uh what am i chopped liver Andrew, I hope, you know, I hope you appreciate me. That's all I'm saying. Th- I mean, I, I don't know how much they want to improve CNN, but you know what I'm saying?
4: Uh, you're making yourself Negotiating available. on air. Yeah. yeah. I'm, you're you're go- yourself- no, I'm kidding. Yeah.
3: I'm kidding. I'm under contract, obviously. Uh-huh. But, I mean, just, just appealing to, that if you get to the point where you actually have to say publicly, you know, we may bring some Republicans. Then there has been a problem in the last couple of years. Do you think Charles Barkley is the
4: answer for Chris Lick at nine o'clock at night? I think that Charles, did you see see what Charles said? No. So to me, that was actually almost more interesting than all of this. Yesterday, Charles Barkley, who was in in talks apparently, who confirmed uh, to the New York Post that he was in talks to do a show on CNN with Gayle King, said he was only, and it would be them together, said he was only considering it because of his respect for Gayle, and then said that he wants to do anything to help the company because, as you know, it's an S-show. Oh, 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 yes. That's what he said about the company. So the whole thing is, here's... That sounds like what Malone said. Basically. But that's what he, he says about the company. I think you're going to see... I, I, I'm, I'm hopeful, actually, for David. Oh, Tass. so am I. He's, yeah. he's brilliant.
3: I, We've seen him. He's gonna, this is going to work, eventually. And, and he's... Uh, King of Hollywood. He's got Robert Evans' house. That, that'll be done at some point. Right. King of Hollywood. But I would like to see
4: Charles and Gail together. Uh, I, I think be That would be, that might work. I, that, to me, is the winner of a show. It might work. Cheese will be next.
2: Coming up, one of those wild media stories. The implosion of Ozzy, a news startup that was not all it was thought to be. Founder Carlos Watson arrested on fraud charges. Ben Smith of Semaphore joins us on this water cooler story.
0: The indictment calls him a con man. And what con men you know, are great at is sort of reflecting back at people what they want.
2: More Squawk Pod right after this. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Roll Pro A, up track, stand
1: by Joe in five seconds. Four, three, two, one. His mic, cue. Good
3: morning, and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross. Andrew Ross.
4: I'll take it. I, I saw, I saw they're missing my last Andrew name. Andrew Ross. But, you
3: know. Becky, a person named Becky, uh, is off today. Becky, quick.
4: Madonna only is one name. But you still need two. I need need two. I can't get to one. Ozzy Media CEO Carlos Watson arrested yesterday in New York City. Watson now facing charges of conspiracy to commit securities fraud, wire fraud as well, aggravated identity theft for his role in the impersonation of multiple media executives while in talks with investors. In a statement, U.S. attorney Brian Peace saying the following, Carlos Watson is a con man whose business strategy was based on outright deceit and fraud. Soon after the arrest, the SEC also charged Watson with defrauding investors of approximately $50 million. In a statement to CNBC, Watson's legal team saying the following, We're extremely disappointed by the actions taken today by the government. We've been actively engaged in good faith in constructive discussions with the government towards a potential resolution of this matter without criminal charges. It is hard to understand the actions taken today in light of those discussions. Carlos Watson appeared on this very program on October 4th, 2021, following reports of misleading information and that infamous call with Goldman Sachs, which was considering an investment.
0: One of the mistakes we made is that sometimes we were too aggressive in marketing them unequivocally. And I own that, not anyone else. I own that. That's my mistake. I'm the CEO. I'm responsible. That We tried our best. Now, do, if you're asking me, do I think that we got it wrong 50% of the time or 80% of the time? No. If you ask me, do I think we got it wrong 20% of the time? Yeah, we probably did, and that's on me, and I own that. Just because something is sloppy or stupid doesn't mean it's illegal, right? I just want to be really clear Look, about that. They I- used some kind of
4: voice machine to, or to have one of his colleagues Crazy pretend story. to be a, right. a YouTube executive yeah. claiming they had a deal. Right. Um, it appears that all the numbers that were in the decks, uh, at least allegedly, were Falsified. They were changing the numbers constantly. And they, the whole they, thing. Would, buy,
3: they would buy ads saying... Oh, well, that the, was, yes. Well it was,
4: that's not even in the complaints, though. That's just... That's <laughs> that's
3: just but, but they would buy ads that say, Aussie Media is the greatest. And then whatever publication they bought the ads in, they'd say, this
4: publication says Aussie Media is... Right, then they'd run another ad, saying the L.A. Times... Says. Says this is the greatest thing. Because they bought an ad. Exactly not only do I remember Carlos being here in the morning effectively the morning after uh, but I remember he'd come on you know back when he had the Aussie Fest uh, with A-Rod if you remember and what he was doing I think was actually paying a lot of uh, celebrity endorser types to participate in his different events which I think added to sort of the halo effect of what he was trying to do I remember we had scheduled
3: I think it eroded it, and, and it, it all fell apart. I think it might have been COVID-related why it fell
4: apart that time. But then later, it, it, it really all But, you fell know, apart. he, I will tell you, um, I remember, because I went on his, I went on, he had a show. I went on his show. I and saw the ads. Andrew the, Ross Sorkin The producers says, would call you up, and they would say, uh, Bill Gates is going to be on the show, and so-and-so is going to be on the show, and so-and-so is going to be on the show. and yeah. and yeah, he, But you went. Uh, all of us did. No, well, no. Bill Gates. Bill Gates
3: too. No because no. they said Andrew Ross Sorkin's going to be on the show. Maybe. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. how they were, you know. But um, he came on. Yeah. And I think he thought if he could like pass a litmus test on on this set,
4: it'd be, but it did not go well. It did not all. go well. Do you remember that? Yeah. Do you remember he broke out his phone and
3: started
2: reading text messages. Okay.
4: Joining us right now is Semaphores co-founder and editor-in-chief Ben Smith, who broke that story about Carlos Watson. Back in the fall of 2021, as a media columnist for the New York Times, it rocked the media universe at the time. And Ben, I'm curious if, if in the moment that you were reporting that, then you thought that today or yesterday would happen?
0: You know, honestly, I did. I mean, I think you know you, you, that great interview. Carlos says that he doesn't that he thought it was just sloppy and stupid, but and it is very hard to convict people, notoriously hard, of securities fraud. But this was so obviously illegal. Um, and the FBI and, and, and um, YouTube and Google and Goldman Sachs were already talking to the FBI at that time. I'm sure the media coverage, you know, encouraged prosecutors as it, as it always does. But it just it was very hard to see how they were going to get away with that.
4: You know, one of the most fascinating aspects of just reading these stories in the past 24 hours was the idea that two of his colleagues effectively pled guilty uh, just a couple of days ago as as uh, as John Doe's. So people didn't even know it was happening, except a reporter at the Wall Street Journal apparently sat in and watched this happen. Um, and it sounds like Carlos Watson didn't know it was happening at the same time.
0: Yeah, I mean, just great courthouse reporting from the Journal, Steve. It's, it's real value and just having somebody sitting there in the Eastern District kind of waiting to see who comes through, right?
4: Um, is your sense that this was uh, spurred by Goldman Sachs initially? I mean, you know your reporting early on was about this now infamous phone call uh... where uh, either carlos watson or it now sounds like his colleague uh... pretended to be a YouTube, youtube executive claiming that they had a a special distribution deal with youtube when in fact they didn't um, and they pretended that they were working at youtube um, how much of this do you think was instigated uh... From because of that phone call,
0: that phone call is certainly what opened it up. It was actually YouTube, not Goldman, the Google security team. I think initially contacted the FBI. But to me, actually, one of the most amazing things—this isn't really in the reporting—but the way I first heard of this story was a source who was not an executive of any of these institutions. You know, a number of very serious investors, people who watch it appear on this show, had um, invested in the company, had vouched for Carlos Watson, um, and. The person who tipped me to it was a random outsider who had kind of wandered through the picture at one point and said, "This is crazy. This makes no sense." And it was kind of an emperor has no clothes thing that they were able to get this far, essentially, by starting with Lorraine Powell Jobs, having a series of very high-profile people kind of vouch for them in a way that the next, you know, the next sucker looked and said, "Look at this group of people. This must well, that's be." That's what legit. I was going to ask you.
4: How do you think? I mean, is this another? You know, we were we've talked about um, Sam Bankman-Fried. And, and FTX and, and the idea that there's so many venture capitalists who, who just seem to glom onto this thing that now has uh, uh, you know, obviously imploded. Um, why do you think so many? I mean, do you, is this just a, a situation of sheep? Look, they look at one famous investor and say, I want to be part of that. What, what, what do you think? I think what it's, you, what, what, I think it's two things. It is
0: two things. Certainly part of it is, well, look, if these guys are investing, it must be OK. The second though is that and I think the indictment called him a con man and what con men you know are great at is sort of reflecting back at people what they want and when he, when this thing launched in 2014 what he was what it was pitching was a youth focused media company that wasn't this kind of divisive AOC progressivism wasn't you know anything far right it was like kind of billionaire friendly centrism and that's what young people really wanted and that was a very appealing idea when the politics changed in the summer of 2020 it was pitching itself as the you know, a, a black-led media company committed to social justice and progressive causes. And it's, its identity would sort of shift with with the moment, but really very pitched toward what rich people and investors thought media ought right. to be like, which is kind of how they managed to pull this off for so long when if you asked any consumer, anybody in media, nobody had ever seen this thing in the wild. And that's what's so, so amazing, actually.
4: So, Ben, I got to ask you, because I remember Carlos w- was at one point critical of you but as i was reading through the complaint uh yesterday literally within an hour of it coming out there's a, a moment or a, a piece of it where they talk about uh, him trying to sell the company to another company and if i recall properly uh, there was a a moment maybe it was a hot minute i don't know uh where he was in talks with buzzfeed where you used to work and i so i was wondering whether you think that was that situation
0: um, yeah, I think so. Re- reading that, I believe Media Company won is BuzzFeed. And it was they, they kind of reached its conclusion after I left. And I wasn't all those details were totally news to me. But, but basically, at some point, he well, he misrepresents to other people how much he was offered. But he also it seems like forged documents that they presented BuzzFeed during during diligence. That's the right. allegation.
4: Well, the other thing I was going to say, by the way, was if you read the if you read the complaint, there's two things going on. One is that he's lying about the actual numbers, which I think it, there's no question when you lie about numbers, that's true numbers, meaning actual revenues, profits, that's you know, as wrong as wrong can be. The other allegation was that he was, and maybe people would call this bluffing, I don't know what you'd call this, where you know somebody says somebody else is going to come in at X valuation, you, know, you should come in at a higher valuation. And it was interesting because there was a bit of an uh, an allegation there that that unto itself is fraud. I was a bit surprised by that, not to, not to defend Carlos Watson, but how many times has someone tried to sell a house where the broker says, by the way, there's another bidder over here uh, who's willing to pay X, you need to pay Y. And in truth, there probably isn't really a
0: second bidder. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is sort of on the spectrum of where normal negotiations take place, but way on the far edge of it. I think, I believe Mark Lassery was one of the people whose names he was throwing around. And I was shown a document during the reporting that they were circulating, that Ozzy was circulating that had Lassery's name saying he was an investor in a certain round when he was in fact not. It wasn't just something mentioned in conversation. It was a document that was being circulated.
4: Fair enough. Um, Ben, it's a a fascinating story. We will keep our eyes on it, we hope, but uh, you will keep your eyes on it and we will be talking a lot more about it Uh, as things progress thanks yeah i'll certainly have something on a sunday at semaphore thanks and we'll be reading. yes we'll be reading about it in semaphore
3: semaphore the greatest new uh, uh journalistic site ever squawk box right the, the, what, what are you talking about? I'm saying that's. We think oh. that semaphore is great. And oh, I you're think, saying
4: that now he can run ads. Now that. Ben, you ben, go ahead and put
3: that as seen on Squawk Box Semaphore. Ben,
4: are you going to run ads on the side of buses? Stamp
0: it on the website, we're just going to stamp. Put, put that it on, on the website. website, right above the on the banner.
3: As seen on, yeah.
4: As seen on Squawk
3: yeah. Box. Andrew Ross Squawk. Sorkin
4: says groundbreaking coverage. Groundbreaking coverage. Yep. He didn't even have to pay for it, too. <laughs> no. There. We're, we're actually but, but,
2: like. Go ahead just,
0: and do. Just that. keep keep going. Please don't stop. Keep going. This is great.
2: Next on Squawk Pod, CNBC's own Frank Holland on a new program designed to diversify Wall Street's talent pipeline, thanks to talented students at historically black colleges
1: and universities. This is something that they not only had the time, the capital, and the resources to do to bring HBCU students into their world, and hopefully you know, not only broaden their horizons, because that's certainly going to do happen, but also bring them into the industry that has a a representation of only about 2% black professionals.
5: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.
2: You're listening to Squawk Pod. Today we have a Squawk Pod special for Black Heritage Month. I sat down with CNBC anchor and member of the Squawk Box family, Frank Holland. In this reporter's notebook, Frank tells us about the Alt Finance Fellowship, a program that brings together dozens of students from historically black colleges and universities and puts them right in the room with the biggest players in private equity, private credit, and other alternative investment strategies. It's a unique recruiting and talent development program. Here's more
1: from our conversation. It was a story I was really excited to do. I met the CEO of the program called Alt Finance, Marcus Shaw, a former investment banker himself, several years ago at a, an event held by John Hope Bryan, who's also a guest on Squawk Box, his yeah. annual event, um, the Hope Global Forum. And he and I just happened to sit down and talk, and he just started talking to me about it. I don't think he realized that I was a journalist or I worked for CNBC. He was just really excited about it. And I said to him this would be a great story. And he goes, oh, wait, hold on, what do you mean? Because um, he was li- really just talking about it, it's something he was very excited and very passionate about. So we stayed in touch for about two years. Um, and then we circled back. And I, and I just, you know, I always kind of pinged him every couple months, like, hey, what's going on with that program? How are things going? And this year, you know, he just like, let's do the story. And I was really excited. So right. the, the gist of all finances, um, as of this year, about 100, more than 100 HBCU students, which stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities, students from those schools, um, are gonna be brought into the world of alternative investing. So that's not only private equity, it's private credit, commercial real estate, hedge funds. There's a number of other areas, um, that this fellowship really covers so these students from these hbcus which include some of the best well-known names morehouse spellman howard etc they spend the summer working at these three firms that are sponsoring it that's oak tree aries and apollo Um, the three firms have put together 90 million dollars and they've made a 10-year commitment to fund this program so the students come to work at these different firms and they just learn all about the industry firsthand a lot of hands-on experience and so they get paid experience, first and foremost, for working over the summer. They get some very unique networking opportunities and even more unique and rare opportunities of mentorship, just actual time with the heads of these firms. That includes uh, Mark Rowan of Apollo, Howard Marks from Oaktree, and Tony Ressler from Aries. So three people that it's pretty hard right. to get in the room with these three gentlemen, unless you're talking about some very big numbers, these HBCU students are getting the opportunity. The impact
2: is what really drives me to want to be in this environment and also create these relationships because
5: overall my main motto what I live by is you lift as you climb. And, so...
1: and then of course portfolio managers more on a day-to-day basis. And they're just learning about the industry. And then on top of that, any student that's accepted into this program gets a scholarship so that they don't have to worry about their finances.
5: Ultimately, the money will come and go. But I think for me, the passion is most important above all.
2: What I love about this program is that it's so intentional, right? So a lot of private equity firms, Wall Street firms, Um, have a very traditional talent base that they pull from. They go to Ivy League schools, they go to um, schools that alumni work at their firms. This is a very specific let's go out, let's meet maybe some different people and let's figure out what we can do uh, to help them work for us. Let's figure out what we can do to get their ideas in the mix, which is very intentional and really strong, I think.
1: Yeah, very intentional. I, you know, I, I spoke to Howard Marks, I spoke to Tony Wrestler, uh, I spoke to Mark, Mark Rowan. And I asked them very simply, you know, is this you know a charitable effort? And all yeah. three pushed back. They're like, not at all. This is not
3: uh, a charitable activity. Uh, I think it has uh, socially beneficial aspects to it, uh, but that's not the only reason we're doing it. Uh, we're also doing it because we believe it can enrich our organizations.
1: Like We think that these students are just an untapped pipeline of talent that can help not only diversify our thoughts but increase our profits long term. These are people that you know, while you're hundred percent right, um, the traditional pipeline is Ivy League schools, we're talking Harvard, Yale, um, maybe the Stanford School of Business, mm-hmm. um, and generally those are the people that come into these different organizations but they were looking for people coming from different backgrounds that perhaps could be let into different rooms than some of these other people or connect with people in a different way, or maybe just have an idea that hasn't been brought to the table because they're coming from different life experiences. The more perspectives you have, both in your employee base and in the companies you look at, the more
3: perspectives you have, the better the investor you are. So the idea of being a more diverse company
1: for us is a positive. It's good for business. It's good for our investment decisions. They also believe there was a lot of uh, very talented people who would adapt very well to this environment because not everybody's going to thrive in one of right. these environments. They're very intense, you know, um, high-expectation environments. And some people, just in all honesty, may find themselves on, you know, air-quote Wall Street and not enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but they were really hoping to find a few people that would not only fit with their firms, but perhaps take things in a different direction and maybe find different ways to not only speak to their clients, but also to invest money. And
2: it's a relatively new program. It's only the third year. Can you tell me about the origin? Because there was a very specific news event in 2020 that really kicked this off.
1: You know, certainly uh, the death of George Floyd I want to just say the killing of George Floyd was a catalyst for this entire effort. Um, All three of the gentlemen were very touched by it, but Howard Marks especially. Um, He wrote a letter to his clients just talking about it and talking about some of his feelings about it.
3: We, like others, were looking for a way to actually do something about it. I wrote a memo to the the clients and the staff at the time entitled, Not Enough. Talking about it isn't enough. I like to believe that uh, racial hatred
1: is on the decline but other things hold people back lack of access. Tony Ressler has been very active when it comes to social justice Mark Rowan as well. Um, so I think for all three of them this was an inflection point where they felt like this is something concrete we can do. Um, you know there's one. it's one thing to march and there's certainly you know social demonstrations are great but this is something that they not only had the time the capital and the resources to do to bring HBCU students into their world and hopefully you know, not only broaden their horizons, because that's certainly going to do uh, happen, but also bring them into the industry that has a, a representation of only about 2% black professionals, yeah. which is even lower than tech, even lower than investment banking, even lower than any of the other high-earning fields that we often talk about here on CNBC.
2: Frank, thank uh, you so much, much for, for telling us here. about it. Thanks. Firms Apollo, Aries, and Tree are investing $90 million over 10 years so HBCU students interested in finance can access specialized curriculum, find mentors, and jumpstart their careers. Head to altfinance.com, that's altfinance.com, for more information. Worldwide Exchange, hosted by Frank Holland, is available as a daily showcast from CNBC. You can find it where you're listening now or anywhere by searching Worldwide Exchange. And that's it. Let's wrap things up for today and for this really long four-day week. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. This podcast is produced by me, Katie Kramer, Cameron Costa, Caroline Rojotis, and Zach Felici. Rafael Gonzalez edited today's episode. Please make Squawk Pod a part of your daily routine. We are out every single day, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. We'll meet you back here on Monday. Have a good weekend. We
4: are clear. Thanks, guys.
5: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do.